1: and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. It's been kind of rainy and and cold in Los Angeles the last couple of days. I recorded this uh, interview you're about to hear last Friday, I think it was, and it was still warm and sunny then, and the last few days it's been rainy. But it's been nice to have rain. I don't have to water or turn the sprinklers on. It's been very nice. I have been reading the Bridgerton books. If you follow me on a Twitter or Instagram, you've seen that I was obsessed with the the television show. I'm so excited for season two. But I've been reading the books as well on my Kindle, and I'm very excited about them. They've been really good. Super indulgent. That's what I like about the the series. It's It's just so indulgent and fun. I love it. Highly recommend the books if you haven't read them yet. Today on the show, we have Mark McKinnon. You've probably seen his face in Blue Bloods or FBI or a bunch of other stuff. He has a a new movie called The Available Wife that we're going to talk about, and uh, it was a pleasure to get to know him. So here's my conversation with Mark McKinnon. Welcome to the show, Mark.
2: Oh, thank you. I'm honored to be here. Excited.
1: (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on the show.
2: Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to this talk.
1: Me too. How are you? uh, How are you doing? You're over on uh, in in the New York side of things. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing good with all things given, you know, grateful for life and health and, you know, a mental uh, peace of mind. You know, I'm really good, Glad, gracious for that.
1: Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Is it is it cold over there? Because we got we got the sun shining bright over here.
2: Cold is a uh, understatement. You uh, know, <laughs> like it, it, it's freezing out here. I mean, we it's a little warm today, just a little bit, but it's still cold. You know. Yeah. Need a coat for sure.
1: You'll be like Bernie Sanders with your mittens going oh, outside.
2: Man. I'm waiting for mine to come in the mail now. Uh, I ordered mine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was the funniest I was dying over those mittens I was like there's nothing more New England than this man sitting there with his mittens on
2: the world couldn't wait they had to get that out there right away like yeah that's all that's on social media right now like <laughs> it's, it's <mittens. laughs>
1: I definitely joined in on the fun I couldn't help myself <laughs> <laughs> so I was reading a little bit about you before we we hopped on here and I read that in high school you were all about football
2: Is that right? Oh, that is correct. I mean, I I still love football to this day. I know I'm not playing it anymore, but football was my first love. Uh, Surprisingly enough, I didn't play all four years of high school. Um, I was playing basketball uh, Mm -hmm. first, and we had one of the seniors at the time that I was a junior come back to the team to talk to us and said one of his biggest regrets was not being able to try out football before he graduated. Oh. And when he said that, that sparked something in me to say, you know what, I don't want to be that guy that says the same thing because I love watching football, but I never gave it a try. So my senior year, tried a fo- for the football team, made the team. Not only did I make the team, I ended up starting at wide receiver and defensive back. Dang. record for interceptions, made MVP of the team, made all Okay. Them, and then all these college, colleges started making me offers, all from one year of playing, you know. So I was wow. like, I was gonna, knew I was this good. 2 or 3 years prior but you know, <laughs> everything happens for a reason but yeah football was my first love even did a little bit of it my freshman year in college as well
1: You did so you took that over you went to Howard is that right
2: Yes I did go to Howard and the, That's amazing. The crazy part is Howard didn't offer me a scholarship but all the schools that offered me they weren't they weren't one of the ones that did um, But because my mom worked there, you know, I still was able to get my uh, tuition taken care of, and I walked on to the football team.
1: Oh, my God. Your mom worked at Howard? Yes.
2: Yep. She worked there 15 years. Yep, 15 years. Uh, she's retired now, but... That's how my college was paid for, you know, um, wow. athletic scholarships, you know? Yeah.
1: That's so cool because it's such a historic school. Like, that's yeah. amazing that your yeah. mom worked there and you went there.
2: Yes, I'm a proud alum. I am.
1: <laughs> you must have been so excited on yeah. Inauguration Day. Oh,
2: absolutely. Like a
1: Howard you know, alum up there?
2: I've been throwing it in a lot of people's faces. Like, we had got van, her in, and, you know, we have a vice president that's from our university. So I, we're very, very proud.
1: That's so cool. So how long um, how long until you discovered acting? Did you discover discover that at Howard or did you discover it before that?
2: Uh, before then. So I discovered it my junior year of high school. Um, mm-hmm. I went to go support a friend who was auditioning for the school play. And, you know, in high school, they let you kind of sit in on the auditions, you know, watch Mm -hmm. everybody audition. But um, the drama teacher at the time, because I took an elective with her, she's like, Mark, you should audition. I'm like, no, I'm an athlete. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) She's like, you should do it. And I noticed that, you know, my school at the time was wasn't that many blacks, you know, in the Mm -hmm. program. So I decided to you know what, let me go ahead and give it a try. End up booking the lead roles, my first audition ever.
1: Oh my God, um, did your friend like absolutely hate you?
2: Yes. They was like, wait a minute, you don't want to take this serious. You don't really care about it. And I didn't at the time, you know, so I, I did it, you know. So to go from never really acting before to taking on a lead role, what a good crash course, you know.
1: And, Major um, crash course.
2: Yeah, you know, and it was a play called Little Woman. It's actually a movie. Oh now. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> just played,
1: a little a little little show.
2: Yeah, just just a little show. Just a little show. But I played Lori in there and um I remember a lot of my football teammates came out to laugh at me. The basketball team came out as well. And I got teased a little bit, but they came out and supported. But the thing that made me stick to acting was I saw how many blacks came out and males in general, come out to audition for the play the next uh, season.
1: Oh, wow. Who
2: actually recognized me for it. The drama teacher talked about it. You know, so when I saw that social change, I said, wow, like, by me telling the story, being a part of this theater arts uh, program, I saw people wanting to try something different, you know, and so that's what made me say, you know what, I want to major in this and really take it serious.
1: That's such a a beautiful intro into this industry i I mean that's really that's not something that you hear much from actors
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i agree yeah it's not you know i I didn't have the parents raise me in the theater and had me in commercials when i was younger i'm considered a late bloomer
1: (laughs) (laughs) a late bloomer but a very welcome one thank you (laughs) that's exciting your uh your high school must have like photos of you everywhere (laughs) They,
2: they have one picture of me uh from, um, cause I I won the most athletic, so they do have this big picture of me in the high school when well, that was years ago when I went to go check it out. I don't know if it's still there or not. <laughs> that way too long now. they probably got new new pictures up, but they did have a nice size uh, poster of me framed up, you know, for being the most athletic.
1: I dig it. You were like breaking down stereotypes yes. at a young age, man. Yes. Athlete,
2: didn't know, actor. didn't know what I was doing. I just was living my life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the best way to do it, though, you know? Right. So you go to Howard and you graduate from there. And then what? What uh, What way did you go? Did you go to New York, L.A.? Did you immediately want to go into acting or was there something else on your mind?
2: So the crazy thing is right after college, my plan was to go to um, L.A. You know, mm-hmm. I actually had a scholarship to go to a conservatory out there. Um, even had mentors that, you know, was going to sponsor me to go out there as well. Everything was like in place for me to go. But literally one month before it was time for me to move, I'm a man of faith and God told me not yet. You know, he was like, you're not yet. He told mm-hmm. me, to "Stay on the East Coast and trust me. And that's what I did. I didn't understand that deposit that was put down for the, uh, <laughs> the program, is <I'm laughs> completely really gone now, but I didn't do it, you know? And so yeah. I decided to go back and forth to New York because I was living in DC at the time. And I, that's how I built my career. I started off in the DC market, working on smaller industrials and doing you know, a few local and regional commercials. And then I started taking classes in New York and started you know trying to meet agents and managers and casting directors in New York. And in uh, 2016 was when I finally got a manager that was able to get me into some good rooms. And within mm. the first three months of me being represented by him, I booked my first co-star role. Um And that was on Blue Bloods. Yeah,
1: that's so exciting. And you've done several episodes of Blue Bloods now.
2: Yes. Yep. So it started off with me just having one episode, but they keep bringing me back every season. I'm like, yeah, keep calling me. I love those calls.
1: Heck yeah. That's that's like the ultimate compliment.
2: Yes. Yes. I'm grateful for it. And right after that very first booking, things got crazy in a good way, because literally within a three month period, uh, a four month period, I booked three different roles as well, all on network TV. So I saw how quickly things started to move once I had the right representation.
1: Mm-hmm. It's it's true. It, your representation really does control part of your career because there's so many things that as an actor, you can't control. A lot of that is getting into the rooms. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the person to get you into the room, then... You don't get anywhere.
2: You don't get anywhere. You know, I try to tell so many of my friends back in you know the D.C. area, you know, you can dream about, you know, being on network TV all you want, but you got to have a rep in New York, L.A. or Atlanta. And that's what I tell people all the time, because they're in those markets. That's going to get you in the door.
1: It's crazy, too, to see Atlanta kind of on this major upturn right now. It's like half the stuff is filming there and it's amazing yes and i, I want to move
2: there <laughs> like everybody else yeah a lot of shows <laughs> that we're filming in other places are now going down to georgia i think it's because like the tax credit or something like but a lot of productions are going down there to georgia to to run yeah
1: well and you got tyler perry studios down there now too so mm-hmm. that's huge and amazing
2: yes yes that 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 was amazing when that announcement came out and then um, I saw like the images from what that, you know, that whole world looked like down there. I was just really just blown away by that, you know, Uh, for Tyler to come from the theater world and to take his own products and, you know, to build it to where it is today was truly inspiring to see.
1: Yeah, no, he's he's definitely one of those people that has made his own way. And it's been beautiful to see what he's done for so many other filmmakers as well.
2: Yes, I agree. Yes.
1: So, you moved to New York or you're going back and forth. You got this great agent, you're on Blue Bloods, and then things start rolling. And then, how long until you kind of fell into BET and doing their short films and their movies?
2: Yeah, so the BET movie came about last year, 2020. So, it took me four years to get my first lead in a network movie. Mm. Um, you know, so that was. That's uh, really... quick, though. And that's what I'm learning. To me, you know, when you're an actor, you want things to happen so fast. So, my mom, like, yo, that took forever. But so many people that i talked to, they're like, "Wow, that happened fast for you to be a lead in a network film, you know, and my yeah team, it, I mean that's
1: that's pretty quick, that's amazing
2: it is, and you know my p r team there they've been doing an icon p r they've been doing a phenomenal job of just getting the word out and just letting people know about this great opportunity and you know, like what I did outside of the film itself to really uh spread the message
1: mm. And the film is about two women who are sitting in a waiting room. Um, for those who haven't seen it, and uh, they're waiting to hear if they have breast cancer or not. And I hear that you have a special connection to that as well.
2: Yes. Um, so yeah, BET and BT heard they did a phenomenal job of creating this initiative on breast care, breast cancer awareness. And so my film, like, comment, subscribe was one of the two films on the waiting rooms and. I was honored to do it because I was able to honor my grandmother. She died of breast cancer and, you know, this was my way of honoring her. You know, the role I thought about her every single day that I was on set, you know, I was ready to jump on this role as soon as the opportunity came.
1: That's so wonderful. It's so nice um, when you find things that you connect with on such a deep and personal level and you're able to portray that for others who are also going through it. It's it's such a different type of connection.
2: Absolutely. Because you're able to pull from yourself like fully rather than, oh, let me go interview somebody. Let me go find out what this life or this pain or this success is like. I'm able to tap into my own life and process what I've been through. And surprisingly, I was learning things about myself as I dug into what I was really feeling You know, from her death from uh, breast cancer. Because I never really did for research on breast cancer. I just knew, you know, you growing up you just know because okay, breast cancer is some form of cancer. That's all you know and then you mm-hmm. leave it alone. but with this movie and the message like I really had to really learn and see different interviews and the process of what somebody goes through and the pain and the struggle what they go through when they're trying to fight cancer and it was it was a tearjerker. It really was.
0: You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating or even listening to this podcast.
1: You brought up a very interesting point where it's like when you get these types of roles that you have a personal connection to, you may not have gone through those emotions that you had felt before fully Mm -hmm. because so many of us try to, you know, when pain comes about, we all try to push it away or hide it and you don't actually go through it like you need to. And it's interesting that this role made you do that.
2: Yeah, it, it really did. And I'm proud of myself for, you know, getting through it and just yeah. really open up conversations with family members because it, it led to a lot of questions, you know, uh, because I wasn't around her as much to see the full process, you know. Mm. So it really led to some really good relationship building with some family members, but also learning more about who she was.
1: That's such such a beautiful story. I love that. Where can people watch that short film?
2: So now it's currently on the BE, on com and the BET app. Uh, You can search The Waiting Room Season 2, and you'll be able to see the episodes.
1: That's so exciting. And then you have a new film called The Available Wife. Tell me a little bit about that.
2: Yes, Available Wife, a very fun one. Uh, This one was directed by Jamal Hill. A beautiful story about a young woman who is the CEO of a multi-million dollar record label. But throughout the movie, you found out that she kind of got it through some dark secrets. Ooh. Uh, so it's a really fun story, very flashy movie, but it's, it's a really, really great cast. Uh, K.J. Smith, who's currently the lead on Sisters, uh, is the lead in that movie, as well as Terrell Hill. It was great to work with them and to break bread with them. To this day, we're still friends and talk to each other daily. So it's just really good that, you know, we develop a great friendship, you know, from that, that opportunity.
1: Yeah. I love films like that. The the indulgence of it, you know, not taking itself too seriously and also be just being able to like really dive into like, I don't know, the funness the fun, of it, yeah, you yeah. know?
2: Yeah, especially my role, you know, because I didn't know too much about the music industry. So I played the, record, uh, the executive of a record label, you know, so to be able to learn that world and that jargon and how it works in the music business, you know, that really was a very interesting journey, you know, so I know a little something now about the music the business. <laughs>
1: I love that, you know, listening to you talk about all of this stuff, it sounds like you're one of of the actors, and I'm the same way, that really looks into everything having to do with the role, and does the research, and talks to the people, Mm -hmm. and it's so nice to hear other actors do that, because I know there are people who will just, like, do it, and make assumptions, right? Exactly. And then there's the people, like us, who sit there, like, it's, like, true homework figuring things
2: out. But I have my why behind it because I feel like I'm representing that person who is in that occupation. No matter what role it is or what story it is, I feel like I'm representing you on that screen, you know? A hundred percent. I'm to make sure I can tell your story the right way as best as possible.
1: And I, I feel like that is what makes for... The most authentic performances. And you can tell when an actor really does spend the time doing the research versus people who don't.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I see it night and day. I do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um this show, I like to talk about bad auditions or funny auditions okay. and all of the above. Um, okay. just because I think it's important for us all to talk about. The good and the bad, right? Yeah, Most of yeah. the time, you do these interviews, and it's like everyone's talking about the great things, and nobody really touches on like the struggles that we go through as actors, right? So, do you have a story or a couple stories that you'd like to share with us today?
2: I do. I do have a bad audition story. Yes. <laughs> um, this was a couple of years ago, and this was back when I was taking the bus, you know, back and forth to New York. It just so happened that traffic that day was horrific you know mm-hmm. um and i was going out for a guest star role i think it was a lawyer i can't remember i just remember i had a suit on <laughs> it was in the summertime so it was like 90 degrees and oh, new Lord. heat is not is not fun so now yeah, that's no heat, joke
1: that's heat. like the type of heat that like makes your hair stand up
2: yes like everybody you know you see actors all the time just sweating and changing clothes <laughs> because, like you can't wear the same outfit from one audition to the next okay <laughs> you can't uh but yeah so you know my audition was supposed to be at a certain time let's say like it was supposed to be like at four o'clock you know my mm-hmm. bus gets to New York at like three forty-five because I used to always try to make sure I got my bus there two hours in advance maybe an hour and a half at the latest you know but yeah be there in New York 15 minutes before the audition then you got to actually get to the audition from the bus station so I'm like moving as fast as I can or running the train is taking forever oh no so I show up maybe about 15, 20 minutes late, which is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. But when I got there, I didn't put two and two together. It's like the towards the end of the day. And mm. when I got there, there was no other actors in the room. You saw all these actors that signed in already. So I'm thinking I was going to have time to sit around, cool down. But as soon as I walked in, the casting director walked out. Oh, gosh. Like, We're ready for you. I was like, and I wasn't mature enough to say, can I have a moment? Like, I just was like, I don't want to mess this up. So I went into the room. I'm all sweating. I'm all flustered. In my <laughs> role, I went to go see my coach uh, for it. I, I made sure I studied it night and day. I knew it. I knew I knew. But because I was so flustered from being hot and sweating and, you know, you running late, you got your mind just like, oh, my God, they're not going to let me audition. And you got all these. things. Going <laughs> on. I could not get past the first two lines. Oh no. I literally, I tried to go and the cast started to call me in plenty of times before. So they kind of knew like, all right, he just was off. You can kind of read it. But Mm -hmm. I did it three times in a row. It was like, it just wasn't my day. It just wasn't. I mean, I, oh. I feel like I missed out on a really great opportunity, but I mean, that, that office to this day still call me in, you know, I well, that's,
1: that's stuff. good. That's the shining light at
2: the yeah. end of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, it, it really, it really, uh, I was grateful, but I'm glad I had that learning lesson. So now, and I'm always giving somebody advice. It's like, wh- no matter how late you are, what happens, just try your best to be relaxed. Because No matter how prepared you are, if you're not relaxed going into that room, that preparation almost doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. Well, and I like what you said at the beginning of the story where you said you weren't mature enough yet to ask them for a moment, Mm -hmm. because it is so important for us to have those moments before. And if you're not, like you said, totally relaxed before you go in, it's going to be a a nightmare.
2: Yeah, it is. It is. The
1: only time I found like flustering to be good is if it's like. An audition where you have to cry really hard.
2: <laughs> right, right. And then
1: it's like, OK, well, if I'm flustered, I'll just use that because All I'll just cry that. because I'm failing.
2: And they're like, oh, my gosh, she's she's connected. She's like, yeah, <laughs> she brought it. Like, exactly. <laughs> if only you knew. If only you knew. Nah, I get it. I, I definitely get it. And um, yeah, it's, those, those bad auditions become treasures, you know, because there's always something to learn from. It. And it took me a while to understand that. Uh, you know, because we always want things to be perfect. We always think every opportunity is supposed to be the opportunity, but a lot of times things are meant to be learning lessons. And those are—it's tough to say that, but it's so true. Mm. Uh, whether it's something on set or in an audition, a lot of times mistakes or things that don't go our way is there to teach us something.
1: It's true. and I like what you said just now too about having each audition be the one because it's not, and you—you mm-hmm. you know, it's not. Like in the back of your head, you know, it's not. Mm-hmm and you need to treat it like it is like a lesson because i think that would be better for your psyche at the end of the day.
2: <laughs> yeah, well help me. So Rob Decina, he's currently the head casting director of all, all of CBS Casting. He um he has a book out called The Art of Auditioning and he talks about that. He's like if you feel nervous going in a room or you feel like the pressure of like you got to have this role, you got to think about it. The chances of you getting a role are like 1 in a zillion. Mm-hmm. like you're, it's almost guaranteed you're not going to get a role. So you might as well have fun. Exactly. It's like a bonus if you do get the role. It's a surprise if you get the role. Like, you know, and I actually took that. At first I was confused. I was like, what do you mean? You put going in there one in a row? But I was like, that makes sense because it does take the pressure off of you. You know, when you realize, you know what? I'm just going in there to have fun, just to one, book the room if I can. And two, let that casting director, want to fall in love with me. So she'll all he or she will always want to call me in for future things.
1: Exactly. Because a lot of times the auditions are just to create that connection between you and the casting office.
2: Yes, absolutely. yep. And so, yeah, I, I definitely push for that all the time. And to this day, continue to try to build those relationships.
1: Yeah. A long time ago, I, I figured out that if I didn't want something, I could mm-hmm. book it.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and so now when I find things that I like really want, I'm like, no, no, no you don't no. want it.
2: You don't want it. You, you don't, don't care. It.
1: You can go into that room and say it doesn't matter.
2: But the, I don't know about you, but I've had auditions where it was like, oh my god, I was terrible. I I don't know what I was doing. But those be the roles I booked. But
1: mm-hmm. then the role
2: that I feel like, oh, I killed. I gave them what they I knew they wanted or whatever. Is like I never heard back. You know, yeah. so it's Like I stopped trying to figure it out. Like a hundred
1: percent. Yeah, you got to stop trying to figure it out because they're like, you can't, you can't know exactly what they're thinking. Who, who knows? Honestly, who knows?
2: Yeah, and even if that person, that cast director loves you, you still have 20 other people who still has to sign off on, you know, so it's just Mm -hmm. so many things behind the scenes. And I learned a lot more because I actually was hired to cast two films for BET uh, last year. And this was my first time fully being a casting director. You know, before I would like submit a few actors or refer a few actors, but to be the actual casting director, I realized how much I didn't have the final say so as a casting director. You know, I can make mm-hmm. recommendations, but the producer has their list, the director has their list, you know, like the the showrunner has it, like everybody has their list on top of the casting director trying to create a list. So it's just yep. you learn a lot about how these decisions are made and it it's really hard to Say this one person deserves the role.
1: It is. It's. It's incredibly difficult. I've been on that side too. I've directed a, a couple films, and it's at the end of the day when you're casting, it's like there is no. There's so many people who are so wonderful, and mm-hmm. if in a perfect world you could give the role to all of them, mm-hmm. exactly. but it's like there's just and sometimes you can't even explain it, right? Like sometimes you just watch somebody's tape and you're just like, that person's it. I don't know why, but she is or he is.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's a beautiful thing when you are that actor that it happens because sometimes the director or cat they can't explain it. It was just something about that moment, that day, mm-hmm. that audition that really the light was shining on you. That like that was your moment.
1: It's true. It really is. Well, Mark, I have had such a wonderful time talking to you. What do you have next coming up?
2: Yeah. So right now I'm I'm back on audition or grind, you know, trying to see what pilot I can get next under my belt. You know, policies is always fun. So Oh yeah. You me in prayer, good energies this way, because uh, you know how it is, policies season, multiple auditions, just over and over and over. So it's just like, you know, waiting to see which one will fall.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true. Where can uh, people follow you on social media and keep up with your career?
2: Yes, I'm on Instagram um, at The Mark McKinnon. I'm also on Facebook at Mark McKinnon Entertainment. And you can follow my journey at TheMarkMcKinnon.com.
1: Awesome. Thank you again so much for coming on. It was such a um, pleasure to get to know you.
2: Thank you again.
1: Of course. I'm excited to see what happens. Good luck this pilot season.
2: Thank you. Same to you.
1: Thanks again to Mark for coming on the show. Tune in next week. I have a, a super fun guest that I spoke with. I was very excited to talk to. So tune in then. Until then, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you're listening to it right now. Please rate and review. It's super helpful for me and and the show. So please do that. And make sure you tell your friends, your family, whoever you think of when you listen to the show to tune in. And as always, thanks for coming in.
0: And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.